Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's ASF Weekly Science Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about mice. And they're more than just these little annoyances that chew through fabric and have babies in your basement over the winter. They can be used to screen for different treatments and even tell scientists about the nature of autism. Now, that second thing seems a little far-fetched. And of course, mice do not have autism, nor are there autistic mice. But they're smarter than you think, and mouse models can show us things in a model system about biology and phenotypic differences that you just can't investigate in humans. And I'll explain. For example, you can't really manipulate the genetics in a human like you can in a mouse. I know a lot of y'all think that can be done, and that autism researchers are back there aiming to manipulate the genome to prevent autism, but that's not why understanding genetics is important. You can make mice that are missing genes. You can make them that are missing only one copy of a gene or both copies of a gene in a DNA strand. And you can look at males versus females. And of course, then do some behavioral and neurobiological testing. So you can manipulate genes and you can get a sense of what that gene does, where it's expressed in the brain, and how it generally affects some major behaviors and types of autisms. The other thing you can do with mouse genetics is look at multiple genes at a time or manipulate more than one gene or look at a gene mutation in the presence of different backgrounds. Think of different people in the world with different genetic backgrounds. Even two people with the same genetic mutation are not the same and certainly the way it varies around the world and people with different genetic backgrounds around the country and the world, at least in the U.S., are not the same. Two people with Phelan McDermott syndrome or Fragile X, which are two genes that are highly related to autism, are not the same. Because people have more than one gene. They have millions and millions, hundreds of millions. And each of those other millions of genes have their own purpose. And that's the same for mice as it is in humans. But in humans, again, we can't or we don't manipulate genes and we don't or will not control every gene in a person's body. This isn't the movie Gattaca. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie or if you know what I'm talking about. Google it. It starts Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. Now, in real life, they got married and had two kids after this movie was made, but then he ran off with a nanny. It's an interesting story, but I digress. The movie also has undertones, but the plot centers around a man played by Ethan Hawke who is not genetically superior enough in some futuristic age to be promoted to do what he wants to do. So he tries to trade places with someone that is and also manipulate his DNA. So the idea that these highly penetrant gene variants interact with other genes is not new. We've known this for a while. First, in humans, it's been shown that rare genetic variation combines with common variation that these mutations are highly associated with ASD and neurodevelopmental disorders, but they also work with other genes. That's been shown. And it's, all an, it's not an all or nothing thing. I'm talking about the presence of neurodevelopmental disorders as well as the features and severities and comorbid conditions like intellectual disability. But in humans, again, it's hard to tweeze everything out. You can't make someone up with different genes that you know about ahead of time, at least the millions of them that are out there. 
You can't make someone up with different genes, but you can do that in a mouse. And that provides a great model system to study these gene interactions. First, in 2018, a group of UC Davis showed that two different strains of rats with different genetics, one is called Sprague Dolly, those are the all-white ones in case you've seen them, and the other is Long Evans, those have like a black hood on them, show different behavioral features in animal assays of social behaviors. They were subtle, but they were there. So these are strains of rats are, that are both commonly used all the time. Some are used in some studies and some are used in other studies, and they showed unique patterns of social interaction so much that the testing environment may also have influenced these differences. What does that mean? That means that replicability can be really hard. If someone is using one rat in one lab and somebody else was using another strain of rat in another lab, there goes any hope of seeing replication. Another clue comes from UC Davis from a group looking at mice instead of rats. They looked at a particular drug treatment in treating social interaction and repetitive behavior in two different strains of mice. Now, these different strains also have different genes. I mean, the genes are mostly the same. They both are mice, but they're different enough that this drug treatment at the same dose produced different effects in the different strains. It's not like the behavior was made worse in one strain and better in another, but in some doses, it was less effective in one strain and other strains showed differences at baseline, so the drug actually helped it more. At the same time, there was also a decrease in repetitive behaviors in only certain strains, probably because those strains had highly repetitive behaviors to start with. So that's clue number two. And clue number three comes from a group in Israel. And by the way, I say clue one, two, and three for brevity. There's way more information out there about all different strains of mice and all their behavioral differences. But let's talk about autism and let's talk about just the three. So there were differences in social preferences in a strain called BTBR, which was a strain that was also used in the last study I just mentioned. And this BTBR strain is considered a better model of autism. Compared with something called a C57 mouse, BTBR mice showed a reduced tendency towards social interaction because they turned less quickly from exploration to interaction. So even within these background strains, again, they're both mice, but they have different genetic backgrounds, and that really influences their behavior as related to neurodevelopmental disorders. So my point is, and I do have one, that people assume that one gene predetermines autism, and that's not true. There's genes that do out there with other disorders like Huntington's disease and cystic fibrosis. And I think anyone with a rare genetic variant that is considered syndromic is going to have some challenges. But genetic background, in addition to that main gene of interest, is highly important. This was pointed out again in a study a couple weeks ago that I wanted to mention from the University of Southern California, specifically from the lab of Dr. Pat Levitt and his colleagues Manal Tabah and Allison Knoll. I apologize if I pronounced names wrong. But they used a mouse model, or should I say many mouse models, meaning many background strains, to look at the mutation of something called CHD8. CHD8 is one of those genes that's highly associated with autism and neurodevelopmental disorders. 
People with these mutations show autism, intellectual disability, neurodevelopmental disorders, and anxiety. But of course, not all people with the mutation show the same features. Why? Is it because of other genetics in the human system? Is it about gender or, in this case, mouse sex? Again, we need to challenge the notion as autism is the same in males versus females and understand it better even in these syndromes that are called syndromic. Each person with a syndrome is different from each other. Finally, can we see the spectrum of autism features in a diversity of different strains of mice with and without the CHG8 mutation? So does the CHG8 mutation affect all these different background strains the same or differently? So what they did is have female mice with the genetic mutation of CHG8 and those group of female mice mated with 33 different strains of males. Yes, there are that many strains of mice out there. They are called anything between B6GCC75 to B6B6 and everything in between. They're all mice, but they show tiny differences in genetics, which as this paper shows, results in a wide range of outcomes, just like autism. They looked at everything from body weight to open field to sociability and aggression, which by the way are two different things. They looked at anxiety. They looked at training to fearful conditions, fear learning, memory, social dominance, and they did it across time in both males and females. In fact, there were 521 males and 530 females across 33 different strains with and without a CHG8 mutation. Just think about all that work. First, they have to create the original CHG8 mouse. Then they have to mate it with all these other strains. Then they have to test them in the same procedure, in the same order. Some have a mutation and some don't. So after all this work, what did they find? They found that genetic background highly influenced almost all of the traits. These included decreased body weight, bigger brains, higher aggression, decreased social interaction, and increased social dominance. It also affected how CHG8 affected activity levels, increased anxiety, and increased their fear response. That is, some background strains with the mutation showed little of an effect on these behaviors, but some showed a huge effect. Males and females were also different in that the differences in females with the mutation showed lower variability across strains compared to males, although they still showed differences. That is, those with the CHG8 mutation showed differences compared to those which are called wild type or didn't have the mutation. There were a lot of other small differences that had to do with behavior assay. So I'm totally oversimplifying the differences. I realize that. So if the authors of the study are listening, don't come at me. I'm sure the listeners of this podcast would move to Wondery or listen to an audiobook if I talked all about whether the cage mates were used or animals from a different cage, or if I listed out each individual strain and their different effects. But there were sex differences also depending on the strain. Some showed differences, some did not. With all this data and all these strains with two different mutations, they were all able to make some overall conclusions like about a quarter of the strains had large effects in at least four to five of the traits, meaning behavior or body weight or size of the brain. But then they also weren't always 
the same strain for each one. They could see which traits were independent of each other, but let's stop here. Let me summarize this. This is a study that looks at susceptible and resilient genetic backgrounds. It helps us understand why some people are more resilient to neurodevelopmental disorders and others are more susceptible. It's genetics, not big genetics, maybe little genetics. The behavior is strongly influenced by a single gene mutation in some cases, and I realize not everyone has a single gene mutation, but it's also influenced by other genes. Some people think autism is a male disorder. Clearly, it's not. Females still show features of ASD or neurodevelopmental disorders and can be disabled just like males. The other thing this group showed is that even within the mutation of a particular strain, so say just looking at those crosses with the B6B6, within that group they showed variability. Despite the similarities in the major gene disruption of CHG8 and similar genetic backgrounds. So the word of the podcast, heterogeneity. Is it possible for each study to use one genetic mutation across 33 background strains? Probably not, but this is a start. And maybe for some of these major syndromic genes, researchers should focus on more than one background strain rather than just relying on one mouse per se to determine the efficacy of a particular treatment. Genetics matter, and it's not all about manipulating those genetics to create the perfect person. It's about understanding strengths, resiliencies, and susceptibilities. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week.